Welcome to the 290th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome, and thank you for listening. Well, it's been some cold running down here in Florida. I've actually saw 36 degrees this week, so it gave me a chance to try out some cold weather gear a little bit in anticipation for the upcoming 50-mile race in Texas. However, there's been a little bit of a snag. We've got some family issues that um, may keep us in town, as well as the temperature has dropped to 22 degrees in Texas for that next weekend. So I'm sorry, but as a Floridian, 11 hours, 10 hours out in um, 22 to 40 degree weather may not be in my best post-COVID weather. So we're waiting to see what happens here with a lot of... uh, things up in the air, Um, like I said, family and weather and everything like that. But, you know, there's always another race if need be. Uh, Have to be smart and, you know, again, want to live to toe the line another day and not get injured or frostbite or hypothermic or any of those other things. Don't really have anything to prove. Not an elite runner and I've got a day job. So we'll see how it goes. You know, that's um, that's just how it is. Backyard hand. There's a lot of mangoes out there blooming, so I'm hoping we don't have any more cold weather here in Florida so we can hang on to some mango blooms. But um, otherwise, things are going good. Running's going good. Heart rate's good when I'm running. I feel back to my same level of fitness as I was before COVID, so that's all good. Just have to uh, get the rest of life lined up. This week I had uh, someone sign up for nutrition class. Most of the time we have just our members in our um, weekly nutrition class. Um, When I first started doing nutrition class, we had anybody that wanted to come and it it got to be, um, we offered it only to our nutrition uh, class members because, I'm sorry, but to our practice members because again, we had so many people that that wanted to take a class and they were filled. And... um, you know, we got to three classes and then COVID and a bunch of things. And then we started doing some Zoom. And so we had some people that wanted to do the class that weren't members. We said, okay. And um, I had a new person actually um, put a chat question through the Zoom on the Monday's nutrition class. And he was uh, a little distraught. Apparently he came from, uh, he was referred from a cardiac rehabilitation program and he's like, you know, why, why plant-based? Why is this any better than anything else? And, you know, I think he was a little bit confused as far as what the, the nutrition class is. Um, does say nutrition class, but, you know, we're a plant-based wellness practice. And so we go all through wellness, whether it's, um, you know, lifestyle diseases, which include uh, risk factors for infection and movement and everything else. So, that was a little confusing to him, but he, but he was really um, not, not sure about this plant-based nutrition thing. And on Monday, we started with a recipe that's, that's pretty simple, our um, potato leek soup. You know, that's a good cold weather soup. Um, when I was growing up, my grandmother made potato soup, and typically there was milk or cream in it. I'm not sure what she had as well as the potatoes, um, and sometimes she would even throw, you know, a little cheese in on top of it at the end, but there'd be onion and stuff. So we do a potato sleek, and uh, we just use the broth from the potato water. Sometimes we use a little bit of soy milk, um, and then we add peas to make it a little bit more hearty, um, and carrots. 
So that's a really good favorite, and I like to make soups in the Instant Pot because um, it's quick and easy. And you can use an immersion blender if you want to blend some of the potatoes up a little bit or not, whatever, whatever you like. But it's a, a favorite of our nutrition class and a favorite of our family. And so that's what we had. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, the benefits of whatever we're serving in nutrition class. And white potatoes is you know, somewhat surprising to somebody when they first come to, you know, a nutrition class because, you know, white potatoes, white things are supposed to be so bad for you. And um, the reality of it is you could live on potatoes. They have vitamin C um, and antioxidants and nutrients and protein, and you could actually eat white potatoes and have great blood work. And if you ate just potatoes every day, you wouldn't be overweight and you would probably normalize your cholesterol and your diabetes numbers. It's not the potato, it's what people tend to put on the potato, the sour cream and the bacon and all the other kind of cheese stuff that people put on on TV. So that, that becomes a bit confusing. Um, leeks are in the onion family and this time of year that, uh, that family is very, very good for um, is being an anti-inflammatory, but having a lot of anti-infection type properties, boosting your immune system, so it's always good. Um, peas, people throw peas under the bus as well because they think that they're a high glycemic index food, but they, they really have a um, pretty close to the same amount of protein as other beans do. Um, sweet, but they give a sweetness and a flavor. Of course, we all know that carrots have a lot of anti-cancer -can product uh, properties as well as antioxidant properties with beta carotene. Um, some people don't realize that the anti-cancer property in carrots they actually uh, decrease angiogenesis, which is the blood flow to a tumor. So you know, again, put those with carrots and onions. Um, really good for uh, prevention or decrease in recurrence of, of cancer or, or helping along with everything else. So he wanted to know, you know, again, why plant-based? And so if I had to just kind of go down the line, uh, I'd start, you know, and, and say, first of all, if you get rid of animal products, you get rid of an extrinsic source of cholesterol, which is great because our body makes 200 milligrams of cholesterol a day. We don't need to take any in. Uh, we'll be fine. People say, don't you need cholesterol for your brain? Yes, you do, but your liver takes care of that. So as long as you have a liver that works, you're going you're gonna to be fine as far as uh, making enough cholesterol. Interestingly, people aren't worried about their cholesterol being or taking in enough when they're on a PSK8 inhibitor or high doses of statins where, you know, I've had people come to me and their cholesterol be down to 90, 100, and nobody seems to worry about it when it's at the result of a medication, but you take meat out of it and everybody gets concerned that they're not going to have enough cholesterol. The reality of it is statins decrease the liver's ability to make cholesterol. It doesn't do anything to the cholesterol you take in. So all that oxidation from animal products from eating cholesterol still can harm your blood vessels and cause inflammation. So we're going to take the cholesterol out of the diet and we take animal products out of our diet and become plant-based. Um, the next is uh, protein. And when we eat a plant-based diet, we uh, typically a whole food plant-based diet is about 10 to 15% protein. Most, most of the, what I eat is about 10% protein. And people get all bent out of shape that that's not enough protein. But we know that animal protein actually stimulates inflammation uh, by way of our gut microbes. Um, the animal proteins interact with our gut microbes in uh, a, an inflammatory pro uh, protein 
or enzyme is produced called TMAO, trimethylamine uh, oxide. And that has actually been shown and correlated with a cause of coronary artery disease. So you have inflamed, not only if you look underneath that endothelial cell, you see cholesterol and lipids, but you see white cells and macrophages and all kinds of inflammatory proteins. And the TMAO is, is, is thought to be uh, a big player in that realm of things as well. The other thing that animal protein stimulates is um, mTOR. And mTOR, target of rapamycin, has been shown to be associated with um, cell aging and um, a decrease in longevity. And there's been, um, there's actually a, a recent study um, that was done in Nature magazine that actually looked at branch-chained amino acids and correlated those with a decreased lifespan in, in mice, um, in mice and in actually fruit flies. And you say, well, I'm not a mouse or a fruit fly, but we, you'd be surprised at the genetic similarities that we have in common. But when you look at a branch chain amino acids, they're typically the ones that are touted in, you know, health food stores and in um, gyms as being great for recovery. And branch chain amino acids are leucine, isoleucine, valine, um, and they are part of the essential amino acids. We have nine essential amino acids that we can't make. But those uh, particular amino acids tend to stimulate a signaling pathway to make more targeted rapamycin. And it may be a key regulator in this growth and differentiation. And again, if you can inhibit uh, mTOR, you can actually extend the longevity of an animal. We know that people that live to be 100 tend to have very low levels of mTOR. People that have cancer tend to have high levels of mTOR. But when they did these studies, they actually came up with another protein that linked um, the signaling of this mTOR and, again, uh, was shown to, um, again, decrease the longevity of both fruit, fruit, fruit flies and mice. And interestingly, males were affected much, much more than females. So... Again, we go look to our bodybuilders and some of our strength people that are pushing, you know, males predominantly, uh, you know, taking in a lot of branched-chain amino acids. It's um, a little dangerous as far as the potential to initiate mTOR, again, cancers, uh, and decrease lifespan. So, you know, again, there's no reason to be really big and muscular if you're going to decrease your lifespan. But I digress, so um, as far as why be plant-based, coming from cardiac rehab, one, we don't have cholesterol, two, we have uh, elimination of some of the more dangerous amino acids associated with animal proteins. And then we look at growth factors, um, typically uh, and especially in dairy protein, uh, you know, the milk's most to, cow milk is supposed to be used to make a little cow grow into a big cow very quickly. And those growth factors besides the protein, so this is in um, besides the protein that comes in milk and besides any kind of hormones or antibiotics that were given to the cow, you know, in various forms. So even if, you ate, even if you're consuming organic dairy, you're getting um, additional growth factors, insulin-like growth factor and tumor necrosis factor that stimulates cell growth. And in adults, cell growth typically means the growth of cancer cells. 
So by eliminating animal products, we're eliminating these growth factors that decrease our risk of cancers as well as inflammatory factors. And then the associated minerals that come with eating animal meats, um, the excessive amounts of iron, um, lead, mercury, that are associated with, uh, that are deposited in animal muscle that you get abundance of if, if you're eating animal products, um, fish, mercury, lead, dioxins, um, that stored in their muscle when you eat them, you get those. If you eat um, animal muscle, cows, pigs, chickens, that blood carries heme, which carries iron, that is absorbed without any regulation as opposed to plant iron that needs a binding protein. So when you're exposed to animal protein, you can take in that excess iron and that gets deposited in your heart and your brain and your liver um, that can become toxic over time. And, you know, lastly, as far as uh, the quick answer of why plant-based diet is better than an animal-based diet, um, uh, overall calorie consumption. Um, you know, you go to the restaurant nowadays, if you go to a restaurant and they ask you what protein would you like, um, you just can't get a protein. You get a protein with fat. You, there's, there's, no, there's nothing that comes in isolated protein except maybe protein powder, and that comes with other added ingredients as well. So there is no true just protein. So people are taking in saturated fat and cholesterol with their protein, um, and with saturated fat, you're getting nine calories, or fat in general, you're getting nine calories per gram versus four calories per gram in protein, four calories per gram in carbohydrates. So you're getting a higher calorie diet when you eat animal products. So add dairy, add meat to your diet, you're adding nine calories per gram of fat versus um, uh, a plant food where you're, you're having a much lower fat. We're looking at 10, 15% of our calories coming from fat if you're eating a really good whole food plant-based diet without extra oils. So right there off the bat, um, we can take heart disease and, and turn, turn things around pretty quickly. And people that don't see improvement of their numbers, then they're getting into something that they shouldn't be. Um, it, it just works. Um, we've had people in the practice go, you know, what we call on the wagon and off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon. But they know that um, when they eat a whole food plant-based diet, the numbers turn and um, uh, cholesterol drops, glucose drops, weight drops um, without, you know, any side effects as opposed to animal, animal products. I'm always trying to speak to people in ways that might trigger um, different desires or different aha moments that might get them to pay more attention to what they eat or change their why or, or perhaps change their focus. A lot of people feel that they're being forced to change the way they eat because they have a lifestyle disease and other people aren't changing, they're just, change, they're just taking a medicine. They really don't want to take the medicine, so they're going to try this plant-based diet, but they're really not happy about it because they can't eat all the things that they ate before. And so it becomes this fight. Yes, I want to be healthy, but no, I don't want to eat this. Yes, I want to be healthy. No, I want, don't want to eat this. And it's, sometimes it's hard, you know, for outsiders to look and see why people, um, if there's this pretty simple cure to lifestyle diseases, 
and the food is actually colorful and good, why is there such a fuss about making the change? And you know, why do people hang on to things that are hurting them? It, it seems crazy. And, and, I, and I likened it to a, you know, as simple as driving a car. If people, if people like cars and they have a really nice car, there's no way in the world that they would put diesel fuel in the engine. Um, most people that have expensive cars tend to put the high test. They want the most pure gas that they can get in their car. They don't mind paying a little bit more for the higher octane, less ethanol gasoline to put in their car. They're very cautious about the maintenance schedule for their car rotate the tires, but especially if you just look at the engine being the equivalent of a heart, um, you want to take care of that engine because it's a very expensive piece of the car and you don't want it to go wrong. And sometimes people buy an extended warranty, but that doesn't cover a lot of things. So you still have to really take good care of the car engine. Again, you're going to put the right kind of fuel in it and you wouldn't just let anybody drive it. You know, if you had a 16 year old that was just learning to drive and you had a a Ferrari or some real expensive nice car, you wouldn't put the 16-year-old behind the wheel for fear that they would push the gas too hard and it would take off and they would wreck or they wouldn't change, you know, use the clutch appropriately. So there's a, there's a, people are very cautious about how they drive their car. They accelerate very smoothly. Um, they're not going to just step on the gas and step on the brake and step on the gas and step on the brake. And they pay all kinds of attention. They, they want to keep the engine clean, whatever what they need to do. Um, but when it comes to the, the engine of the body, the heart, we kind of, you know, put it off. You know, and here it is heart month and we give February heart month. That's only one month out of the year to kind of say support the American Heart Association. Um, but, you know, that's about as far as it goes. Maybe eat more vegetables, you know, um, exercise a little bit more, take your medications. But that, that's really, uh, there's heart walks someplace where people to get together and they struggle to walk a mile. Um, but then they don't walk anymore, but they have a t-shirt. And a lot of times at these heart walks, they have, you know, food that's not good for your heart. So why couldn't, you know, why, why can't we look at the heart as being the best? You know, it's the engine of the body. Why, why don't we want to take better care of it? Um, and, and you could probably, you know, it, it also we, we look at other people's hearts. We, you know, we, we want people, our loved ones, to take good care of their hearts. Uh, we don't want, you know, when dog foods come out that they could cause a cardiomyopathy. Everybody's all up in arm that this dog food might cause a cardiomyopathy and hurt your dog and everybody's bent out of shape and they want to change it. But we go back and ignore our own hearts very, very quickly and, and think that, you know, all oh, we can get away with a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and we can push it and drive it hard and not replenish the engine and not do what we want and, and get away with it. And it really doesn't happen that way. So, you know, I, I think just becoming more mindful of, uh, of our biggest engine here in, in Heart Month is, is a, you know, a good thing to look at. So if we look at the fuel, again, getting the greens, getting the nitric oxide producing greens in every day. Um, it's also going to have a side effect of decreasing your risk of cancer, like we talked with Chris Wark last week. But also getting rid of the other stuff. We don't want to gum up the engine with cholesterol and fat. 
Um, a cheeseburger never really did much for your heart. Um, potato chips aren't going to do much for your heart. And it's not just, well, I just have a bag now and then, or I just have a, you know, some people have really high cholesterol and they'll have a handful of nuts. I just do it once in a while or if I'm in a hurry. But it doesn't go away. It, it persists. Um, and it adds up and it's cumulative. And by the time you have heart disease then things are already plugged up. The engine is already gummed up. The cells have already accumulated enough metabolic waste that they're not working appropriately. The cholesterol is already out into the blood vessel. The metabolism, the mitochondria are dying. The cells, the DNA is unraveling. We don't have time to have a little bit once in a while. It's, you know, in order to turn things around, you have to really turn things around and, and make a, a concerted effort to do it on a daily basis like you would take a medication. Or you need to go ahead and go back to the general medical community and take your medications and take your procedures and, and, and limp along that way. But, you know, we all, I guess as humans, we, all, we, we think we can have it both ways or we think we can fool ourselves by a little bit here and a little bit there and it, and it really doesn't work. And I was, you know, I was interviewed on a pod, uh, a YouTube uh, interview this week, and the question, you know, the statement was made: you can eat plant-based and eat all you want, but again, all you want, you know, even, you know, it, it, that that's not that's not exactly true either, because some of us don't have a regulatory switch that turns off, and you know, all you want can be dangerous in the setting of you already have too much. So if your cells are already blocked, you can't put more in. It, it, you've got to clear out, not, not put more in. And so, again, by eating plant-based and eating four calories per gram with protein and four calories per gram with carbohydrate and a lower-fat diet, so you're decreasing that nine calories per gram into a few things, it certainly decreases the calories that you're consuming and increases the fiber and decreases the cholesterol. But if you continue to push the limits and continue to eat plant food that's high in fat and high in sugar, you can still get to the point of trouble and you're not really getting to the point of reversing disease. And so I think, you know, marketing as it, you know, as it is, you know, we get fooled, but we, it's not like, it, it, I don't think that people are fooled as much as you know, they, they want to say, okay, yeah, let's, 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 I can put my head in the sand. Okay, good. Let me put my head in the sand. You know, most people, nut butters, um, you know, it still says the second word is still butter. Um, you know, I thought I could have nuts. Well, you know, a tablespoon of peanut butter is not what I would call, you know, eating nuts or eating healthy food is peanut butter with, you know, a bunch of sugar in it. Peanuts are peanuts squished into peanuts butter and so it's a lot higher volume well let's do a nut butter well it's still 85 percent fat squished into it's a high calorie food that if you make a lot of cholesterol you're not going to tolerate so to say that you don't eat it or i eat this once in a while or eat that once in a while or i didn't realize that that was bad um that's that's you turning a blind eye on things um, because I think at this stage, um, people that are in the plant-based community, most of the time, um, you know, they, they kind of, 
they, they've heard of uh, they've heard of how people get and uh, get to the marketing and how they can you know twist things around the broccoli um, the broccoli cheese puffs so to speak the vegan the vegan things that look like Cheetos but they're really broccoli powder or the beet chips or the carrot chips you know the things that we go down the snack aisle looking for something that fits the bill and we're looking for something that we can you know justify eating that it might be okay. I had a lady one time gain a bunch of weight and she told me she ate too many sweet potatoes and turns out it was too many sweet potato fries. I'm sorry, sweet potato chips. You know, and if, you know, again, if you look at those bags, there's not really, you know, a lot of them have powders in them and it's just basically corn, you know, they're, they're even worse than potato chips. They, there's less vegetables in some of the vegetable chips than there are in any of the other things. But, you know, I, I digress um, other than to, you know, I, I think that um, if we could te- treat ourselves as good as we treat our animals, if we, and, or if even probably, you know, we treat our own hearts as good as we treat our car engines, it would be a really, a really good thing. So maybe, you know, maybe focus a little bit more inward than outward uh, over the next couple of months and it, it'll help out a little bit. And as far as exercise goes, you know, some people think that they can go and they're going to wipe out all the cholesterol problems and all the fat problems and all the overweight problems with just pushing it, especially this time of year, going to the gym and just cranking up the treadmill or cranking up the run. But you can't outrun all that damage. You can't eliminate, you know, you can't keep up with all the damage that's already been done. You've got to have the nutrition along with it. And, you know, like anybody else, you, you know, people go out too fast and, just like the horse at the Kentucky Derby, the guy that starts out too fast in the lead is, tends to be not the guy that wins. Um, it's, it's starting where you are and working up gradually, uh, but keeping accountability. I'm very proud of one of our members that wasn't hardly doing 1,000, 2,000 steps a day, and now she is, you know, the last two or three months has had over 7,000 steps every day, and now she wants to do 7,000 steps every day, and she's committed and proud of herself, and she feels good about doing that 7,000 steps every day. And she's finally started looking at it, and she's, you know, she's holding herself accountable. So now that she wants to get it. So if you can just pull that off for a couple of weeks and give yourself good feedback from it, I feel good when I'm doing this, therefore I want to keep doing this, um, it's, it's a good way to go. It scares me when people have company come down uh, to Florida because it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, people typically come to Florida and, you know, they want to hit the, you know, the seafood restaurants and the bar food. And, uh, it's probably one of the worst place to try to find any kind of vegan food or, or plant-based food. And you can only go out so many times and get an iceberg lettuce salad before you give that up. Um, and so people start, you know, pushing a little bit, well, I'll have some chips or I'll have some of this, you know, and I'll have some of that. And, uh, next thing you know that, that they're in trouble and all this cravings start again. So um, it's one of the things that you know, us poor Floridians have to deal with. They're the northern people coming down for vacation. And, and you know, um, when you know, two people get together, the willpower starts to, to really go down, out the window. And you know, people start to do things that they maybe wouldn't otherwise do, or at least they have a justification to do it.
So what are you going to do on Super Bowl Sunday? It's a couple days from here. Um, you know, you watch all the ads with all the terrible food. And, uh, you know, what are you going to make? And uh, I was talking with one of our members, and he really liked taco pizza. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to make a taco pizza for Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to use our pizza crust. And um, we talked in class today. You could use a polenta crust that out of our cookbook. We just do polenta and put it out on a pizza stone and bake that and then you can top it and I like to make uh, crumbles out of tofu and and tofu and mushrooms so um, taking a firm tofu and using a fork to make it into crumbles on parchment paper and adding some finely chopped mushrooms to that and see so we'll do taco seasonings with that so it'd be cumin and chili pepper and our chili chili powder and some hot pepper, of course, and a little garlic and, and some smoked paprika and bake those in the oven. So we have uh, get those uh, a good start to bake. And instead of doing a regular pizza sauce and make more of a salsa for the for the sauce. And then after that's baked um, and you can put some fresh tomatoes on top of that, maybe a few finely chopped olives onto that. And then would top it when it comes out uh, with um, some cilantro and uh, possibly a little uh, little um, uh, almond milk based yogurt. If you want to have that sour cream effect, I would just top it a little bit, then top that again with uh, cilantro and maybe some uh, hot peppers. And I, I think it'd be a, a pretty good um, uh, taco pizza. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. And, um, you know, people do chili, uh, black bean chili. We have our fiesta. You can, the black bean fiesta chili, you can put some greens in there and people don't know. Uh, get some mushrooms, you know, different, a lot of different vegetables you can get in our fiesta chili. Black bean fiesta, uh, black bean fiesta soup or just plain chili. Um, certainly cauliflower wings. Um, you, can, you can do very easy. Uh, make your uh, your buffalo sauce with uh, soy milk and sriracha and use some rice flour and dip your um, cauliflower into that. Potato skin, somebody uh, asked me about those. You know, you can do a potato skin with stuff with mushroom and kale, put that in the oven. You could do the artichoke dip. Um, it's just artichokes and um, uh, throw some basil in, in with that and garlic and spin that and put that in your potato skins. Um, so there's be, you know, a lot of different food that, that would be traditional, uh, Super Bowl food that you can make, you know, plant-based and you can still have your big green salad and, and do, you know, and do just fine at a, and not that many people are probably going to have Super Bowl parties this year, but certainly if you're at home, that's a, a good way to, to get things started. Uh, make sure you get some exercise. There's Super Bowl. It's not until evening. So get out and do your own exercise before, uh, you're, you're in there. Uh, watching the game. Someone sent me a podcast to listen to, and they asked my opinion on, on the data. And what the people on the podcast were saying was that if you get the COVID disease, SARS-CoV-2, and you get COVID-19, the disease, then you will live 10 years less. It'll take 10 years off your life. So right up front, you know, there's a red flag, right? Because we've not been 10 years past 
COVID-19 disease. So we don't know if people are going to die sooner because they lived through the disease and have had it. You know, we could compare that to other infectious disease like flu or like tuberculosis or, you know, but it doesn't, you know, none of those have ever, uh, or, you know, even flu even have been, been shown to necessarily take years off of people's life. It's not a death sentence if you've got bacterial pneumonia or if you've had chicken pox or, you know, so why would somebody think that you're going to die 10 years young, 10 years early if you had COVID? Well, the reality of it is there was a study done um, at the University of uh, Glasgow and a Dr. David McAllister um, came up with a um, mathematical equation that looked at or uses years of life lost, YLL, to estimate how long a person would have lived if they had not died from a particular illness. For example, if you have chronic obstructive lung disease, the YLL, or years of life lost, is about 8.2 had you not had chronic obstructive lung disease, meaning that if you didn't have that, you may not have died. Now, obviously, it's a mathematical equation that's impossible to take in the risk of skiing, hit, being hit by a car, airplane crash, you know, or other diseases that one might take up that, you know, but there's, there's numbers that they came up with 11.6 for coronary artery disease, 13 for pneumonia, 21.6 for asthma. And they came up with 10 years of life lost if, if one would have COVID. So meaning that if you die of COVID, you would have died 10 years younger than you would have died had you not had COVID. Meaning you know, there were some people that said, well, the older people that die were going to die anyway, so they just happened to die of COVID instead of bronchial pneumonia that year. Well, they're saying, no, you would die 10 years later um, had you not died of COVID. Um, the article was not peer-reviewed. Um, the validity of the mathematical formula, formula was not verified. But these people ran with the fact that COVID kills you 10 years quicker than you would have died, so therefore everybody should get the vaccine so that they don't die of COVID 10 years before you should. Um, and there's so much of that going out. Uh, there's so much of that. So if, you know, my advice to people is if they see something along this line or they hear it, I immediately go find the study. I immediately go find what was looked, you know, where the study is, what, who, where it was published, who did the study, you know, um, you know, how did they actually control for the data, you know, and uh, more often than not, um, either the statistics or the methods or, again, here it was not even what they were trying to say. The guy was merely trying to say that you wouldn't necessarily die had you not died of COVID. You might have died, you might not die that, you might die of something else or you might not. So, you know, you can't believe everything that you hear as, um, you know, some terrible, you know, we, we've, there's all kinds of sides to, to COVID and SARS and, and rules and regulations and, and, you know, opinions. And it's, you know, it's, it'll be years before we sort all of this out and, and see what's, you know, what's really real. Right now, we, you know, uh, it was thought that people had 
um, some long-lasting consequences. Uh, perhaps athletes shouldn't play ball because they could have a myocarditis, and they, they did some MRIs, and there were some abnormalities, but when they've looked at the abnormalities, it really didn't correlate to anything functional. And again, if you look at the common cold, you can have some of the same abnormalities. So, you know, again, it's not necessarily... Um, it's not necessarily something to really worry with as, oh my goodness, I've had COVID, um, bad things are going to happen me down the road, just one thing after another, now I'm doomed. Um, that's not true at all. Again, it comes down to each individual and their overall health, how it is now. Yes, bad things happen to good people, but there are usually explanations for somebody's overall health or lack thereof their immune status, and, and we don't know. We don't know the immune status of people walking around. We don't know the inflammatory status of people walking around. We don't know the comorbidities. You know, people, uh, women, we used, to, we used to say that women over or under 50 years of age were fairly immune for coronary artery disease. We know that's not true. Diabetic women can have coronary artery disease in their 20s and 30s. That can be significant. So given our population that 75% are overweight, um, a lot of younger people haven't had their cholesterol checked. They don't even know what their blood pressure is. There's a lot of unhealthy people walking around that, that um, can get into big trouble when their immune system is tested. So um, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. The last thing I'm going to leave you with, because it is heart month, and I'm going to try to stay focused on the heart for the month of February, is a study that was done in Dallas in 1966. They took five men, 20 years of age, and they put them to bed for three, three weeks. And before they did that, they had them evaluate it with exercise and, you know, their blood pressure and everything. And what they found was that after three weeks of being in bed, their heart rates went up, their blood pressure went up, the amount of blood that they were able to pump, their hearts were pumped, went down, called the ejection fraction, their body fat went up, and their muscle mass and strength went down. Um, so at three weeks, these 20-year-old men developed characteristics that made them look twice their age. Thank goodness they didn't stop there. So then they did, they put them, they took those five men and they gave them eight weeks of an intense exercise program. And they improved basically to the physical ability um, that they were before they, they, they got sick. So every, everybody got better and improved. Then they looked again at these five men 30 years later. And so now they're 50 years old. None of the men were on medications. They had gained 25% uh, of body fat excess, um, 14 to 20% increased body weight. Their cardiac function had declined. Um, they weren't as quite as bad as they were after the three weeks of bed rest when they looked at all their cardiac factors. But then they gave them an exercise program for six months consisting of a walking, jogging, cycling program. They had lost an average of 10 pounds. Their resting heart rate decreased. Their blood pressure decreased. The ejection fraction increased to back to the level at age 20 before they did the bed rest. So they were able to reverse 100% of the 30-year decline in their aerobic powder, power at age 50. 
So the exercise increased their cardiac output. It helped the blood vessel stiffness, decrease their blood vessel uh, uh, blood pressure. Exercise improves your insulin sensitivity, decreases your glucose, increases your good cholesterol, decreases your bad cholesterol, improves sleep. Um, but I, the takeaway message that is, even if you're in your 50s or older, it's never too late to turn back the clock. Um, and exercise is certainly a good way to do it. But again, this was supervised, so um, the intense exercise program should be monitored by a doctor or monitored by someone that, you know, that you're not, uh, you also need to change your nutrition and, you know, and be smart about it. These people weren't any on, on, they didn't have any medications. They didn't have any known disease. So if you do have cardiovascular disease, then again, you're in much worse condition than these people. So exercise is probably not going to take it by itself. But you can see the benefits of a plant-based diet and exercise can turn the clock back. But the more boxes you have checked, the more your cells are full, the more you have to do a multifaceted approach to getting your health back. People complain if the medical establishment does just one thing and they don't look at the individual patient and everything is, you know, based on one person and no, there's nothing, um, they're not treated in a special way for their illness, their size, their body type and whatever. But when you yourself don't try to help yourself in a multiple different ways, then you too are remiss by not taking the opportunity to look at your exercise as well as your diet uh, and what you are eating and, and, and do this multifaceted approach. So we want to be able to normalize people's body mass index, but we don't want to normalize body mass index without normalizing glucose metabolism, without improving muscle, decreasing fat. Some people want to gain weight and they want to eat more fat to gain the weight. And it's like gaining fat does not help you Gaining muscle does help you, increases your mitochondria, increases blood flow. But just gaining weight to have a number that you like better is not going to make you healthier. So uh, it's very important that we look at all aspects of our body and our health and attack it from every end. So I would encourage you to, you know, look at your nutrition as well as your weight your cholesterol as well as your blood pressure and your glucose, your exercise as well as your nutrition, and in your mental health. I didn't even touch on that. Maybe we'll get to that more next week for Valentine's Day. But it all plays a role um, in your overall health and longevity. So without further ado, um, I'm going to sign off this week, and I'll check in next week and uh, let you know what's happening as far as the race goes and uh, what I plan to do. I don't believe I thought a little bit about doing a virtual 50-mile race, but that would be virtually impossible, um, taking care of everything I need to take care of. You see, I go someplace to race, so everything else at home is taken care of for me. So I don't think I could ignore my home duties if I were home. So that probably won't happen. So we either race or we won't race, but we'll find another race. There's still going to be a race in the Treasure Coast in March uh, and then out at Zion um, National Park in Utah in April. That'll be a 50K. 
So I hope all that goes well. If you have questions, you can email me at jamie, J-A-M-I, at drdelaney.com. Check out the website, drdelaney.com, and uh, see about becoming a member. If you'd like uh, to be part of our crew, uh, we'd love to have you. We'd love to help you get yourself healthy. As always, thanks for listening. If you're up north, stay warm. If you're down south, we're going to be okay. And, uh, but be safe and enjoy your weekend.